Praise God. Welcome this morning, brothers and sisters. Another beautiful Sunday morning uh, full of fellowship. Let's um, bow our heads in prayer this morning. If you're here for the first time, uh, our God is good. He's so good that He's actually brought you here to listen to Him. And it doesn't matter who you are and where you've come from. What matters is that you are a living soul in the hand of God. And if you come before Him this morning, trusting in the Creator, the Maker of your soul, and you know that He holds all things, even your own life, that He knows everything that is in your life, every thought, every hair on your head, every detail of your life, you can say, Lord God, here I am at your word today, this morning. And you don't have to prove yourself to anyone. You don't have to pretend to be someone you're not. All you need to do is come at the feet of Jesus Christ and say, Lord God, here I am. I've had enough of life, I've had enough of people, I've had enough of work, I've had enough of everything, but now, Lord Jesus Christ, here I am. So if you come believing in faith, He promises that He will be there in the midst of you, listening to your prayer. So, Father in heaven, I pray that every person in this room this morning, that you, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit would speak, whether we're in location, Lord God, or behind the screen, I pray, Father, that your Spirit penetrates every heart, every hard heart, every eye that is blind, every ear that is deaf, that you, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit are able to move powerfully, transforming and changing lives as you do, Lord bringing people to the water to be baptised and to declare your truth to the world. I pray, Father, that you would lift your name up. Even this morning, glorify yourself. Let the people know that you are God, every single one of them, Father. Lift your name up, I pray, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 3, if you can, please. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. Unto me, this is Paul talking to the church, unto me who am less than the least of all the saints is given grace that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of of the mystery which is from the beginning of the world and which has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Here's Paul who wrote most of the New Testament and he's de declaring, telling people, it's been given to me. I'm not, a, I'm not the best and greatest. I'm the least of the least. You know, I'm the, at the bottom of everyone else. But it was given to me to tell you these unsearchable things. This word unsearchable is the word basically unfathomable. It's unfathomable, meaning it can't be understood or grappled with. And it was given to Paul to be able to expound this to the people. Mysteries hidden in God that you couldn't even try and fathom and understand in your own right. And I'm telling you, these are the things that are hard to be understood and it was given to me to tell you. That's what Paul is saying to the church. It's unfathomable. The word unfathomable is a Greek word which I dare not to say because I probably wouldn't say it properly, 
but it's past finding out. It's past finding out. It can't be found out. It's unsearchable. You can't search it. Not to be tracked out. You couldn't even begin to try and work it out. And it was given to Paul to tell you about this. You know, it's interesting because the world is full of unfathomable things. Even today, there still remains thousands of mysteries. Like, for example, the placebo effect. You know, how does that even work? How does someone, like, all of a sudden get cured by not even the right medication? Scientists and doctors don't even understand it. They can't work that out. And then we have black matter, where there's a gravitational force that holds all things together. Science does not yet fully comprehend. It remains a mystery, and it's unfathomable. It's crazy. Even the fact, see, a lot of people don't realize, even the fact, the origin of water, scientists today don't or can't conclude altogether how water even exists. How did it even come to the globe? Absurd, right? Did you ever consider that while you're debating and arguing about the earth and the, you know, that water, they don't even know. They think that some icy asteroid had, had, had like, a, like a truck come plundering all the, giving, pouring out water on the earth. And yet what's interesting, I'll tell you what's really interesting, is that you and I, day to day, go get a glass, we drink, and we don't even think about it, but we drink, don't we? You drink water every day, you don't even contemplate where it even came from. Yet, so natural. You don't stop and say, I'm not going to have a drink of water because I don't know where it came from, do you? You don't decide to yourself, I'm not going to drink because I don't know everything about water. But what's fascinating to me is because people don't know everything about God, they decide, I don't believe in God. Weird. Why is that the case? Because it's a spiritual warfare. Because water does not pertain to your soul or your, your, the, the true essence, but truth does, and the devil knows that, and he would rather have you question God than question water, even if you don't know about it. It's absurd, it's crazy, it's unfathomable, yet we, we, we continue to do what we do. For example, do you even know where the moon came from? We're all focused on the earth, the origin of the earth, but even scientists today, they could, they could tell you about the way the world, you know, but the moon remains a mystery. And yet every night we look at the moon, and we don't say the moon does not exist, even though I don't know how it even exists. We accept it without even knowing about it. But when it comes to the things of God, the unfathomable, oh yeah, we, we, we question it, we doubt it, we throw it off as insignificant because I can't understand it. I find it all very interesting. See, because Jesus said when he was walking and roaming the earth, when he spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the, the holy people, those who should know, those who really should know, he said to them this, this fascinating quote, if you like, in John chapter 3. You don't need to turn to it, I'll read it for you. See, on a greater, on a greater level, he says to these Pharisees, if I have told you earthly things and you don't believe me, how then do you expect to believe 
if I told you heavenly things. That's what Jesus said. How beautiful is he, right? <laughs> He goes, look, you know, if I told you guys that man existed from Adam and Eve, two people, physical, you could see them, you can touch them, and the whole humanity came from two people. If I told you this, you're not going to believe me. What he's saying. You're not gonna be, I'll tell you the things that are earthly on the earth, like two people, they, they multiplied the world, and you're not going to believe me. How do you think, if you can't believe this, that you're going to understand the things that are spiritual? And there's the battle. There's the battle, because the things that are spiritual, as Paul is saying, is completely unfathomable. At least you can see people, at least it makes common sense. Like there's something like, oh yeah, that looks like a man, that looks like a woman. Okay, and everybody else looks like a man and a woman. Okay, I could see that they had children, I can see they multiplied. Okay, it makes sense. But yeah, you don't believe it. You don't believe it. So then how do you think you're really going to believe in the things that are unfathomable, the spiritual? Like I'll give you an example. Paul, who wrote this, what we read at the start, says this. He says this, in 2 Corinthians, you don't need to turn to it, I'll read it out, chapter 12, verse 3. I knew of a man, this is what Paul says, now whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, I can't tell you that, God knows. How this man, he was caught up into paradise and he heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, that lawful has this idea, or this unspeakable has this idea of this man, he went up to heaven. And when he came back down, he couldn't find the words in human language to be able to describe to you the very things that he saw. There was no word that could articulate what he just experienced. It's unfathomable. You can't describe it. It's like, what does apple taste like? Now, if you've never tasted anything sweet in your life, what does apple taste like? It tastes like apple. <laughs> what does apple t- There's no words. Nothing can express it. Nothing can explain it. There's no, no, nothing in the human language. And yet you think you can say there is no God because you know everything when God is unfathomable. Atheism is, is, is as absurd as, 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 as it's crazy not to believe in God. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. To claim there is no God is to say that I've gone to heaven, I've looked through the drawers and the cupboards and I found no God. And now I'll come back to tell you there's no God. But who's gone to heaven to come back and claim that? That's why it's absurd. Because even if you came back to try and tell me that there's no God, you couldn't even find the words to explain it. You can't even fathom it. This is what Paul is saying to the church. I can't even express it. I can't even say it. I can't, there's no language here in this earth among people for me to get you to see the reality That's why in the book of Revelation, the the, the book about the end times, the book about the kingdom of heaven, in Revelation chapter 10 verse 4, 
when the, when the climatic experience happens, when it's the end of the world, brothers and sisters, because the end of the world is coming and it's coming very soon, but when that day comes, there's all kinds of events taking place. And while we try to master every single detail of what's going on and what's going to happen, in Revelation chapter 10, verse 4, it says this, And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. I wanted to document what they said. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and don't write them down. Something happened in heaven that as, as John was starting to write that and what he heard, the voice said to him, no, stop, don't write it down. And you look at that and you think, man, what did he write? What took place? And what was the secret behind hiding it? If we sat down as theologians and we started to contemplate it, you know how wrong we would be trying to work out exactly what happened? It's like theologians today. They try to work out things that are not pertaining to what you need to know now. And you end up with so many doctrines that are wrong and false and irrelevant and, and, and misdirected. And it's got nothing to do with the real thing. And so we see, I know, I know, when we get to heaven, I'm going to know what that was. I don't know it now. It's, I, can't, I can't express it even if I was to go to heaven and see it for myself. I'll come back and... That's what it'll sound like. You wouldn't, you wouldn't understand what I'm saying. But I'll tell you something, though. In the midst of all this unfathomable, this incredible, there is something quite unique with a God who is... Um, hard to grasp, hard to hold, who considers man and somehow does something miraculous that he puts a spark in a man like Paul and says, I've come to tell you the things that can't be expressed, the things you can't understand, the things that you can't dig deep enough to get. We're talking about a God who cannot be held. It's foolish for us to think that we can come to anything of his intelligence and brilliance. It's absurd. And so listen to what it says. Even Job, Job tells us, can't you by searching find out God? So can you by searching, it's a question mark. Can you by searching find out God? Really? Can you find out the Almighty unto perfection? Like, can you really work God all out to the T? It is as high as heavens. What can you do? Well, you can't go to heaven. Deeper than hell. What can you know? Unless you've been there. The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Isaiah cries out the same. He says, have you not known... Have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he doesn't faint, he doesn't grow weary, there is no searching of his understanding. You couldn't even begin to understand. Just give it up. Let it go. Crazy. Crazy. 
And yet Paul is saying, I'm going to tell you this unexpressible stuff. Things that you can't even begin to dig at. And while there are things that are unfathomable about God, listen, there are things that are unfathomable that can be understood. That's the miracle. Things that are unfathomable that can be understood. Everything else is imagined. Everything else is imagined. There are things that are unfathomable that can be understood. And everything else is imagined. It's like the song, I can only imagine. I can only imagine when I get to heaven what my eyes will see. When your face is before me, I can only imagine that. Surrounded by your glory, what my heart will feel, I can only imagine that. Dance with you, Jesus, or in awe will I be still. When I stand in your presence or on my knees, will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine that. There are things that are unfathomable that can be understood, and everything else is imaginable. And I'll tell you what, those things that are unfathomable, that can be understood, what Paul is trying to tell the church. Those things. Because I tell you why. God wants to reveal the unfathomable to those who He loves. It's extraordinary. It's beautiful. God, in fact, wants to, not just would like to, He actually welcomes you to come and know those unfathomable things that are there to be understood. In fact, Amos, a prophet in the Old Testament, says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret unto His servants, the prophets. Surely God will do no other thing than to reveal His secrets. Glorious, right? There's nothing else that God should do than reveal His secrets. To who? To those who are His servants. Psalms says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. Isn't that wonder why when uh, God was watching over Sodom and Gomorrah, and he was going to do this crazy thing, like a really, really powerful thing. He was going to destroy a city of people. And what, before he does that, he stops and he contemplates, and he says these things like, what does he say? He says this, and the Lord said in Genesis chapter 18, verse 17, and the Lord said, shall I hide this very thing? From Abraham, my servant, shall I hide this very thing? That's what he says. Listen, Genesis. Genesis. Genesis chapter 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? So Abraham got close to kind of a, a real intimacy with God, discovering his plan, what God's plan is. 
this unfathomable thing that can't be understood, you know, that Abraham came pretty close to this unfathomable God and the experience of God and the hand of God in everyday life. And there are things that are unfathomable that God reveals to those that are His and He brings them to an understanding. But they're only belonging to those who are His servants. The secrets of God are only to those who fear Him. And so while the world remains in their darkness and their foolishness, and they think, oh, well, I can't see that. Well, of course you can't see it. Because one, you're not His, you're not His servant. And secondly, you don't fear God. And so, of course, I'd expect them not to grasp or comprehend the unfathomable when, firstly, you don't even come to receive Him as your Lord. Become His servant. Fear Him, and then all the secrets of heaven will be revealed to you. All those things that can be understood. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to know everything about, uh, you know, that stone that's, that's on that throne in heaven and why it sparkles the way it does and the details of, of all, the, all the stones in heaven. But it does mean that I can know everything that I need to know of God pertaining to my life right now. There isn't anything that God will hold back from you related to your existence today that matters. That matters. In fact, when, when, when God gave the law in the, in the um, Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, this is what He says. Listen to this. The secret things belong unto the Lord, our God. The secret things belong unto the Lord, our God. But... Those things which are revealed belong unto us. Unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of His law. Now this fascinates me. It fascinates me because what he's saying is, the secret things that belong to God and not only to God, and that's God, that's it. But there are secret things that pertain to us. These, the laws of God, the secrets and, and righteousness of God, here they are, and they're related for you now for one reason, to do, to do, to do. And so some of us, we get so caught up in the Scriptures, you know, we want to find out much about God, we get excited about heaven and all that, you know, but it's just it's insignificant if it doesn't apply to my life to do. But God's going to give you and reveal to you the hidden things of God that was always from the beginning. And that's the reconciliation of man to Him. Because it's impossible to come close to God. There's got to be a system of a way for me to get to Him. But how do I search that out? How do I find it? Unless God gives it to those who serve Him, desire Him, want Him, fear Him. That's why the world remains in ungodliness. That's why the world remains in blindness. That's why they can't find their way to Him. Because it's not revealed to them because they don't fear Him. So there are secrets that belong to God and there are secrets that belong to those who God has given so that they can obey and follow Him. That's why the Scriptures teach as well. They say things like this. Second um, Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord, of our Lord Jesus According as His divine power has given unto us, has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to the glory and virtue. So God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of 
Him related to virtue, goodness, holiness, righteousness. It's funny how many people get so caught up here trying to discover things like, you know, that are unfathomable, but they don't come close to what the, the, the truth is. Then I want to know how I can actually take a hold of those desires that are consistently hurting me and hurting my family. I need to be told, I need to know how do I, how do I raise children to walk holy and godly in a crooked and dark and ugly world. I want to know answers to life and pertaining to godliness. I know that I'm not going to fully understand how big is the throne of heaven, like how big is that, that chair that Jesus sits on, but surely, God, you can tell me how I can actually give a good grounding or foundation to, to, to success for well-being in spirit and what is good and honourable in this world that is so anti you. It's very difficult. I need to know these secrets. And he says, but I'll, I'll give you those things, yeah, for sure, yeah. I reveal those things to my servants. To those who fear me, I reveal those things. This is not a self-help book. This is a spiritual wisdom from heaven that comes down upon those that ask for wisdom. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. We are in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. He has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. So, so what do we know? We know that basically the unfathomable, because of Jesus Christ, can be understood. Okay, I'm going to start my sermon now. The unfathomable, if it's only to be understood, we are most miserable. Because the unfathomable must be experienced. To be experienced. I don't want to just know about Jesus, the unfathomable Son of God who came and how that happened and He died on the cross. It just doesn't cut it for me. Just to know, I know Jesus, well, that's a great secret from history. How is God going to deliver the world? Well, I'll tell you something, He's going to send His Son. That's a big secret. No one knows this. But the unfathomable, and this is where it really, really is faith that defines between those who know and those who don't. The unfathomable is to be experienced. And that is glorious. It's just absolutely amazing that God would allow me to partake of a divine nature that the world is staggering and tripping over, that I, that I understand the answers to life, and I can experience that, that I can actually partake, like Christ died on the cross and the power of His resurrection becomes a reality in my own heart, in my own life, that this dead man can rise. Well, that's, that's unfathomable, but yet it's to be experienced. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Unfortunately, guys, a lot of Christians and a lot of books have this wrong. This scripture here that you're about to read is not about heaven. 
This scripture that you're about to read is about heaven in us. And this is unfathomable because listen to what it says in verse, read it for yourself, in verse 9 to 12, it says this, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. You can't even imagine. What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. And most people look at that and say, oh man, look, heaven's going to be unbelievable. But that's not even heaven. Heaven is even, even glorious. But this is not about heaven. This is about, go to the next verse. What does it say? These things, what? God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? What does that even mean? It means that God has revealed himself to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. And whoever receives him knows the depth and riches of God. Because who can know about the person unless they have that person's spirit in them? Who can know about God unless they have the spirit of God in them? In them, Who can know about Jesus unless they have the Spirit of Christ in them? Who can know about eternal life unless they have eternal life in them? Who can know about the freedom of Jesus unless they have the Spirit of Jesus in them? These things are unimaginable. You can't even understand it. You can't even imagine it. But God has made it known. God has made it known. It's not about heaven. It's about today. It's about right now. It's about verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Verse 12. Now we have, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Do you not want to know all that God has prepared and planned for you regarding life? You can't fathom and understand what God has prepared for those that love Him. Don't you want that? Do you want that? Or do you just want to keep going with your own knowledge of nothingness? Like, what do you know? Like, how, how to make money? Like, what do you know? Like, how to dodge bullets? How to survive? What do you know? The very things that God wants to reveal to you are things that can't be 
found. They're hard to conceive unless you have Christ in you. And that's why in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, when he's speaking to a world that is wicked and evil and sinful, he says to them this, and I'll finish here. In Isaiah 55 verse 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So brothers and sisters, you don't want this distance between you and God, do you? You don't want to know that you know, your ways and your thoughts and your ideas are so far from who God is. You want God to reveal to you the mysteries of the world, the mysteries of the universe pertaining to your soul. How does one man break free from any kind of slavery to their pride? How does one person break free from their lust, from their, from, from their brokenness, from their depression, from their darkness? These are the secrets of life that only God can reveal to those who fear Him, love Him, desire to want to know Him. And yet God today still calls out and says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. We are so far, we are so distant, we are so... But I've sent my son, Jesus Christ, into the world that those who want to live, they find life through him. If you were a doctor and you had a secret knowledge how to keep the channels of the heart pure and clean. Just by a simple truth, just a simple truth, just a, 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 two words of wisdom, I don't know, three words of wisdom, not even a huge textbook. But how do you keep the heart clean? If you disregard that knowledge and you think it's not important or insignificant, you'll go on in life clogging up that heart. And on the outward, you can still look great, right? But in the inward, you're clogging up that heart because you don't have the secret. And if you valued life and you understood that, really, this is all I've got, this is life, you're going to go to the doctor and you're going to say, tell me, man, tell me the secret. But if you stare at that doctor and go, and that's all you did, that's, that's all you did, how foolish, right? How foolish. And so, brothers and sisters, we have a doctor greater than any doctor, the doctor of your soul, who has the secrets of your soul, and he can only reveal those secrets to those who fear and love him. You make a decision. Do you continue to believe what you believe and hold back in your ignorance those things that you think is, oh, look what I know, but you know nothing. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord God, that this morning, if anything, Lord God, if anything, Lord God, that the people will know that what they hold in their hand is not knowledge at all. As smart as they are and as smart as they can be, what they hold in their hand is not knowledge at all unless it's the secret of eternal life. 
unless it's the secret of salvation, unless it's the secret of your son Jesus who's come into our hearts to bring us into a relationship with you. And who can understand how this is done? Who can understand the change that happens in a person's heart? We may feel the wind, but we don't know where it's coming from, Lord. And I pray, Father, you would make yourself known to everyone in this room, everyone behind the screen. Why go on in life with such limited knowledge when they can have the knowledge of the living God? And I ask you, Lord God, that you make this known to them throughout the week, throughout the days, and glorify yourself in them, in Jesus' name. Amen.